eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. The national championship is over, but Georgia has not stopped scoring yet. I've been informed we're not going to talk about that game today because there's really not much to discuss. Georgia won it in the first two minutes, and, you know, the rest of us moved on with our lives. However, that wasn't the only news from last night. Nebraska added to its wide receiver core with Virginia's fourth leading all-time uh, receiver in terms of yardage, I believe, in Billy Kemp the fourth, a wide receiver from Virginia, committed to Nebraska, is here over the weekend. What, what, what kind of get is this for Nebraska? If Ben Scott was huge for the offensive line, and mm-hmm. Elijah Judy is interesting for the defensive line, where? On, on that sort of made-up scale over the last 12 seconds, where does Billy Kemp fall for you, Brian Christofferson, when looking at Nebraska's needs at wide receiver? <clears throat> it seems like a pretty good get. I think he was fourth in Virginia in receptions because he, um, he had 74 of them in 2021. He had 74 receptions, no fewer than three in a single game. So he was a very uh, high-volume guy. He averaged 6.7 receptions during 2020. So the thing that jumps out about him is uh, he, he he knows how to get the football in his hands, you know, and I, I think he ended up with 1,700 career yards at Virginia. The other interesting part of him is he was a punt returner for his entire career there. So um, could be a guy who checks a couple boxes, and we like checking boxes on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Um, so – Makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't think you're going to see, because Matt Rule said it on early signing day, he said we're not going to usually probably big picture-wise um, get these senior guys who come in for just a season from the portal. If we get guys from the portal, most times they're going to be two or three-year guys at least. 
But I think in the case of uh, Camp and also Joshua Fleeks out of uh, Baylor, um, I get it because you're at a position group that needs it right now. You need sort of the bridge into the future. And uh, it's a good way to maybe set the, the foundation with a guy who has a lot of college experience. And there was Virginia fans responding on my timeline last night after the commitment. And they really respected like how tough he was and um, just, you know, kind of what he was made of there. So I think he's a, I think he's just going to be a solid, uh, not just a clubhouse guy, but a guy who knows how to, you know, catch three or four passes a game and, and can help you in that way. Yeah. His career at Virginia is really interesting. His sophomore junior years were, were big in terms of production. And then I think injuries and just sort of Virginia really struggled in 2022 and then obviously their season had a horrific end uh with everything that happened there but i i think with billy camp you know it's it's hard to know exactly what you're gonna get brunts but what what seemed like fair expectations for you um with with the latest transfer portal wide receiver nebraska is added i mean they've done this now um four out of the last five years i believe or yeah, because you had kind of Inoa in 2019. I don't believe they added anyone in 2020. Uh, that was a transfer portal guy. 2021, you had Samari Toure. 2022, Trey Palmer. 2023, Billy Kemp. Now, Toure and, and Palmer were fantastic. Kind of Inoa was sort of depth for Nebraska. They did have a really nice touchdown catch that allowed you to, to hit on an oddly specific prediction. You know, we all remember that. But where – what sort of expectations are you conjuring up in your brain here on January 10th when thinking about Billy Kemp and thinking about Nebraska's wide receiver situation too? Yeah, I was thinking back to to what Marcus Satterfield said um, at the end of last week that, you know, they're looking for different, different kinds of wide receivers, different body types and, and kind of thinking what Nebraska has on its roster right now in terms of wide receiver, they don't have, that kind of like smallish slot type wide receiver on their roster. Um, and and I, I think that's what his role is going to be is kind of that more of a chain mover. I don't think he's going to necessarily be a, you know, a huge play guy like a Trey Palmer was maybe, maybe to a lesser degree what Samori Toure was. I mean, they played him in the slot some, but you know, I, I think he's going to bring experience He's been productive when he's been able to stay healthy. Your point about Virginia just being a kind of a mess on offense last year, uh, I think is a piece of it along with the injuries to, as to why his production dipped. But, you know, I, I don't think he's going to come in and, and necessarily be the number one, you know, absolute huge target that Palmer was, but he can bring you, you know, a, a number of things in an offense that, are really important and kind of being maybe that safety blanket over the middle or finding holes in zones and things like that. So, um, you know, Brian mentioned too the, the, the punt return aspect of it, because you lost Trey Palmer, who was kind of the, we're going to catch it and return it guy. You lost Oliver Martin. Who's the, we're just going to catch it and get the ball back guy. So that, that competition is going to be wide open, um, you know, next season. So, that that's another piece of it that I think is pretty important is at least the guy that's, you know, had to catch collegiate punts with hands in his face and, and guys, you know, barking on him and stuff like that. So um, I, I think it's a good get. And, you know, again, I, I think Nebraska's done a good job with these transfer portal targets and they're batting a really high percentage. 
of having a very specific plan for these guys and being able to close quickly. I mean, that that's really the name of the game in transfer portal recruiting is, you know, can you communicate your message easily? Do you have a plan for guys that are going to a new place? And, you know, can, can you kind of close the deal? And I think they've done a good job of that so far. BC, is there a receiver right now? You can include Billy Kemp now since he's, he's going to be part of Nebraska going forward where you feel 100% confident that barring injury, they have the ability to have 50 catches in a season. <clears throat> not a, not 100% confident, but um, closest to that would be Marcus Washington. If, oh. uh, um, you know, he's part of things because I, I really thought um, he showed signs that he could be that type of guy when if Palmer weren't in the equation. Like obviously Palmer was going to take away some a, a big piece of the pie, uh, but it felt like Marcus was starting to make some bigger catches in Big Ten play. Like even at Michigan, um, as bad as that game was offensively, he was like the one guy who showed up and made like three or four plays. And so he showed that he could against, you know, elite competition, I think, be that sort of player. So your question, though, is sort of uh, it makes a statement in itself because I don't I don't think there's just like an obvious like Billy Kemp might be the answer, because if if you actually want to look at resume, Billy Kemp's done it uh, at Virginia. And uh, I it, it seems like a guy you could just plug in and, you know, he's been around the game long enough. He'll probably figure it out pretty quickly. And I could see a guy like that having 55 catches, you know, in one season, something like that. So Kemp might be my prediction. But other than him, it would be Marcus Washington, I think, next up. Brunt's amongst the young guys at the wide receiver position. Who kind of has your interest? Uh, Janiron Bonner? Is it Victor Jones Jr.? Is it Jaden Doss, you know, someone coming in like that? Uh, is there anybody that you think freshman, redshirt freshman or younger, so freshman, uh, incoming freshman, that, that you think could be, you know, a guy that, that contributes uh, meaningfully in 2023? Yeah, it's a tough one because of guys that, are, that were on the roster last year, Bonner is probably the most interesting. I mean, he was the guy that, you know, at least in fall camp and maybe early in the season during non-conference play, we were hearing, okay, this guy's got a shot. You know, he's a, he's a physical wide receiver. He's a bigger body, which I think always helps to get guys on the field a little bit earlier if, if they're able to stand up physically to things. I would probably go there. I mean, beyond him, guys that were on the roster last year, I don't know that there's anybody that I would bet on being even in the two deep um, just based on, you know, what we've seen and heard to this point. Um, you know, of, of the, the rest of the guys, I mean, Malachi Coleman has got to be the answer, right? I mean, he's a, he's six foot, six foot three, he's higher six foot three, uh, 100, 190 pounds. Um, you know, I was curious to kind of hear and see how he stood up to better talent at, at the All-American Bowl and in those practices. And from what, you know, our folks down there were saying, I mean, I, I think he held up pretty favorably. And, you know, he didn't get a chance to really show that in the game because, woof, but um, the quarterback played not so good. Um, but, Bigger mismatch TCU Georgia or East versus West? 
I was thinking that in the first half. I was like, man, I think I saw this game already. Um, oh, man. But where are all the commitments every five minutes? <laughs> these declarations. Yeah. It might have kept my interest a little bit more in that Georgia TCU game if they had yeah, some no commitments. Problem. But um, no, it, it, I mean, Coleman, if he can come in and, and you know, run good routes and, and be more of a polished wide receiver, I think he's got a chance just based on build. And I mean, you've got a six foot 390 pound guy that can go four three. Um, that that that's a good place to start with. So I think I'd I'd go him out of that whole pool of candidates that might have a shot at doing something. Okay, jumping over to the offensive line, where Nebraska has two guys that were in over the weekend in Micah uh, Mazuka. I will never understand how and why it's pronounced that way, but Micah Mazuka and Walter Rouse both visited Nebraska, both starters, Mazuka with Baylor, Rouse, a multi-year starter at Stanford. Uh, we've got a Philadelphia connection with Mazuka. I don't know, BC, you talked to Rouse. Is there a natural connection to Nebraska? Is there is there something there that that made Nebraska like a, a school that he, he wanted to visit uh, because of relationship prior? Or did they just do a nice job of immediately touching base and building that right away? I don't know if he had a deep connection, honestly, um, beyond just recently, but I, I think he just, um, the way he laid it out was, you know, it's Nebraska, Iowa, Oklahoma. I think he just saw programs where he liked the possibilities with the coaching from how he analyzed it from a distance and the history of the programs. And, um, you know, academics is going to be a big part of it for him, too. I think, you know, he's he's going to end up getting his degree. That's the plan at Stanford. It's He said it's a little complicated, but he's a biomechanical engineering major. Um, and uh, also said he used the phrase uh, during the interview that he had no qualms, no qualms with his uh, visit to Nebraska. And I thought, like, that's. I like the word qualms, first of all, but also it's not like a, it's not what you hear in your every standard recruiting interview, is it? So um, he was a really interesting guy to talk to. He was a William Campbell finalist, like one of the 15 guys uh, for scholar football athlete. So he's that type of guy. And um, man, he would fit right in. The interesting thing about that conversation was he said, this is him talking, of course, but he said the coaches at Nebraska, spoke of left tackle <clears throat> as being his spot. Now, that's not a stunner because that's sort of what he's been, but obviously it, it would move the uh, chairs around a little bit um, for Nebraska with, with Prohaska and stuff like that if this all ends up happening. Um, <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. I think we're going to know in the next 24 hours or so. It did seem like he was really tossing and turning about it. He said he had trouble sleeping Sunday night because he kept going back and forth trying to visualize where he was at, you know, which one would he fit the best between those three programs. Maybe it's worth something that he did a nice long interview with a Nebraska site. You know, you kind of wonder because sometimes when guys aren't interested at this point, they wouldn't do that. So that's, I think, the hope for Husker fans is it, it definitely seems like he's why would you why would you take the time and do all do that if if Nebraska were sort of uh, third on your list automatically as of Monday night? I don't think you would. Brunts, when you think of Mike Mazuka, does Nebraska feel like the leader here, given the <laughs> the Baylor connection, given the Philadelphia connection? Uh, he he certainly um, seems like he would be a really big 
win for Nebraska in terms of recruiting a multi-year uh, player out of the portal. And I, I'm just kind of curious what your feel is for Micah Mazuka right here on Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's I, I think the connections matter in this situation. Um, you know, the, the Philadelphia connections are, are strong on this staff. Um, obviously, um, the, the Baylor connections there, too. Um, you know, and kind of talking to people in our network, it's it's been a very quiet recruitment. I don't think people have a very good read on, at least as of Tuesday morning, kind of where this one's headed. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I tend to kind of gravitate towards connections in that in that uh, this type of a situation. I think guys are looking for something a little bit more different um, this time around. You know, his his brother popped up. In Nebraska student directory over the weekend, which I thought was, you know, potentially notable. Um, that you know, damn student directory. Yeah. <laughs> it's caused way more issues than it's ever, ever solved. I'll point that yeah. out right now. Yeah. I mean, he, you, you could have a Darnay Holmes situation where he's yeah. in, in four different student directories, but I mean, th- that's notable given that his brother's in the transfer portal um, is kind of more of a, a walk on type kid. So, yeah, and, and there's need. I mean, I, I even though Nebraska has, you know, I think a decent picture at interior offensive line, I think if you add a guy that's got that kind of experience, I think he could be pretty darn competitive in a position battle. So, um, I mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball pick in yet, but I, I would kind of lean Nebraska at this point as we sit here on, on Tuesday morning. Would, would <laughs> you know, we can throw Billy Kemp in this too. Would the addition of Rouse or Mazuka move to number one on your transfer portal additions list if you were to rank it out? Oh, R- Rouse would be number one, I think. Above um, everything? Yeah, because I, I just think, like Brian was saying, with kind of how that would rearrange the chairs, I mean, what it what it essentially does is it absolutely guarantees, I think, in my mind, that you're getting Corcoran at a guard spot. And that's huge. I mean, it, it, it gives you more options at tackle, which is a, it's something I think they need. I think they need uh, a little bit more competition there. And, and it's a guy that's, he's a four-year starter at power five level. Like that's significant. So, you know, as much as Nebraska needs wide receiver production and, and Kemp's commitment was a big one. I mean, Rouse. I, I'm mean, talking everybody they signed. I'm talking oh, Ben Scott, right. Jeff Sims, Corey Collier, Elijah Judy. Chief Borders, no, uh, I, Marco I, I, Ortiz, Scott would be just a little bit ahead. I, but I, I think Ben Scott's still the single biggest, yeah, yeah. addition. Rouse Even if they right get behind these him. other guys. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't phrase that correctly. No, you're fine. BT, are you in a similar mindset? <clears throat> Rouse would be huge. Um, yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, I think you'd, you could make a good argument Rouse could be one, but Scott, I would probably put Scott as the biggest one um, just because I, I feel like center is such a challenging spot. You got to manage so much, not just physically, but with the mental aspect of it. And you're, you know, you're the command center of the O-line. So I'd put that at the top, but you know, even if they only get one out of the two, I think they could get both. But if, even if they get one out of the two, if it's just Mazuka or something, I mean, 
we're talking about this O line a lot differently with Scott and Mazuka. And then if you throw Scott on top of that, I mean, that's three, probably three new starters. They got to go out and win it, but those guys aren't coming. I mean, we're talking about players here. It's not that they just have like 500 snaps under their belt. Um, you know, what it was Scott's number, Brunson and I were texting it back and forth for a story. It was like, he's, he's had 1700 snaps, maybe more than that. I'm, I might be shortchanging him. One of them's had like 2000 snaps. Rouse was over 2000. Yeah. I mean, these guys have been around the block and, and, uh, if you look, I know the PFF grades, people w- wave at them. I do actually myself. I, that, yeah. Um, But Scott, Rouse, and Mazuka all would have way higher grades than any Husker lineman has had, but by like six, seven, eight points in some cases. I mean, their run blocking grades are really good. I know it's not apples to apples, different conferences and all that. Um, but point being, um, these are guys who have um, their tape has looked pretty good to people who are observing it. And, um, there'd be a lot of optimism. And also it's amazing how in three to four weeks, the entire narrative around Donovan Ryle was just sort of different, you know, like it was like, what the stink, you know, that was honestly what it was with a lot of fans and, and things. And now you're getting the, the, the quotes about how players are like, they had to bring that guy back, you know, and even Walter Rouse was told by a player on his visit. He's like, that was the one guy they needed to bring back was Donovan Ryle. That's what Rouse was told. And, um, it's just fascinating how that has done a 180 in, in a month. Obviously, they're going to have to prove it on the field, but having three, two or three new transfers sure would help the help the scenario for Ryla. Yeah, I mean, if you have an entirely different left side of your offensive line that features Walter Rouse and Micah Mazuka, and then at center you have Ben Scott, like that's that's pretty amazing to me compared to what this looked like. Uh, you know, at the end of the season. And then even just getting Ben Scott, who, again, I, I have is probably their number one addition uh, from the portal so far. Just being able to to kind of build out that left side and you could move Corcoran to right guard and Prohaska to right tackle. And uh, that could be really, really interesting. And then you got a ton of depth behind it, which, you know, if, if they bring in both of these guys, I think you're going to have some corresponding transfers out for Nebraska as well uh, after the spring. But we can attack those as they happen let's let's take a, a small break we'll come back we're going to discuss nebraska basketball for big game on tuesday night knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes that's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nebraska basketball, 8 p.m. tip against Illinois. An Illinois team that had a big win against Wisconsin over the weekend. They have sort of not really been in a free fall, but it is not a uh, it's not been a good year over in Champaign for basketball. There's uh, apparently some some chemistry concerns and locker room concerns and Brad Underwood's unhappy, which, you know, that's not a big surprise. But uh, there's there's some issues there and Nebraska would be catching them at a good time. But they got that win over against Wisconsin. Nebraska got an important win on the road against Minnesota. Illinois has been one of those teams that I feel like Nebraska plays close with most of the time, even when Illinois had, you know, a relatively uh, significantly better roster. I go back to that pandemic year. I think Nebraska took them into overtime. You had that really awful last 15 seconds in which yeah. Teddy Allen and uh, and Trey McGowan's basically fought over how the final play should be run on the floor and no shot actually got off. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I remember, and and Nebraska Illinois. I just I, I feel like it's a it's been a good matchup for these teams in the past. What are you guys thinking tonight? As Nebraska hosts Illinois at home, they played better at home this year. BC, where does your head go with this game? I think it's a complete toss up. I think the spread kind of indicates that too. Uh, other people believe that. I, I believe it was two and a half or three points. I'll have to take a closer look at that in a second, but. Um, I don't see any reason why Nebraska can't win this game or be in position to win it, you know, with four to five minutes left. I fully expect it to be that kind of game where it's, mm-hmm. it's tight and uh, it's going to come down to the last couple possessions. I do think there is a confidence boost as, as disappointing as the regulation finish was against Minnesota, where you give up the three with four seconds left and then you have to go to OT. And at the moment you're thinking like, okay, that was that opportunity loss momentum's on the other side there is something I think to be said for a game like that where um, you really got punched in the face uh, in a moment like that and they came back and executed really well uh, in OT to get the win Um, and I I just think they they sort of that gave them a jolt so um, they've actually played better this year Hoiberg mentioned this the other day too sort of coming off losses where they've responded better. So now that's the question is, can they, can they be the, the group that you deal with success? Well, you have a couple good days of prep and, and you, you put it together again. Um, so we'll see. And they need, they need some guys, you know, it's gotta be a night where, where Wilter hits some shots. I, I always throw him as a wild card. He's on the floor a lot. And uh, he's a guy who's going to get some open looks and he's got to bury like, three or four of them, you know, that, that that's the difference between winning and losing in games like this. It might Runs, be, Oh, go ahead. I was just saying it going back to that Minnesota game. It, it might seem like kind of elementary, but I liked how Nebraska basically like kind of got tunnel vision in overtime on offense. And it was like, we're going to Greasel, we're going to Walker and that's, that's what we're doing. G- Gary can come in and, 
you know, grab a rebound and get a put back, which that's kind of his game. Um, but I, I don't know that that overtime period to me, and I think you're right, BC is so different than what we saw last year or the year before that, where they they had a plan, they executed the plan, and played to their strengths. Like it, it and that sounds so simple, but that's not something that you know they've done with any kind of regularity um, recently. So. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think you're right. That's a win you can absolutely build on just because you were able to win playing your style of basketball. Um, and, and especially after kind of the the emotions of, of having that three buried at the end to, to send it to overtime. Um, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Schaefer, but I, that, that stood out to me. It was like, okay, this is a team that actually knows who they are, knows what they need to do when they're doing it. Like, how about that? Yeah, that that tells me that they have the ability when they get into these stupid scoring droughts that they seemingly have every game um, all the time, that they have the ability to pull themselves out of it. Like my my fear whenever Nebraska goes into an overtime game is, are they even going to get five points? Because it's so hard sometimes for them to score. They need a certain way of things to go that when they sort of dialed it in, like you said, and it's like, okay, Walker's eating their lunch down there. We got to keep feeding him and Sam can get to the rim. They, they had a little two man game and they just sort of went with that. And I'd like to see that more when they get into these kind of scoring droughts, because I think what happens sometimes is they just end up chucking threes. Like I, I like Casey Tomanaga. I think he's an incredible energy guy when he's on. It's a lot of fun. He can light up the, you know, he can light up the hoop and he can get the, the, the building rocking. But when he's not on, you don't need that guy taking bad shots. You, like, so it, it's just this thing where I feel like they're continually sort of figuring out the dynamics of how they can attack, when they can best attack, how you get guys like Wilcher and Tominaga, how you get value out of that. Because, they're, you know, Tominaga more than Wilcher is a little bit better of a defensive player, but you're not getting a ton on the other end. Neither is an outstanding athlete. Uh, so you – you know, you need them to hit shots, like Brian said. But when they're not, can you funnel that offense into a way that we saw in overtime where they were effective? And I, I think if they can sort of do that, then we can kind of avoid. I mean, you're always going to have a two to four minute scoring drought every now and then. But it's when Nebraska has like an eight minute one against Iowa. That's absurd. Like you, you have to be able to get out of that. And I, I think that they're learning that through Sam and and Derek, they they have a two-man game that they can kind of put together. I mean, I am blown away by how good Derek Walker has been for Nebraska this year. I mean, I, I thought he would be fine. Um, you know, I, I sort of scoffed a couple years ago when people regarded him as this, like, missing link. And he's just been better than I've expected all the way along. But I, the jump he's made, I mean, he's as good of a big man as I think I've ever seen Nebraska have. Um you know, not ever, but at least in the last, what, 15 years? I mean, like. It's marriage graduated. Sounds, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Alex marriage was good. I, there's a part of me that feels like Walker is a little bit better in some ways. I mean, I think marriage is maybe a better defender. Uh, but, like, Walker's touch around the rim, his ability to set up, like, his post moves. I just, he's really good. And you know what? He's 25 years old. Like there's some of that is, is, you know, has to do with his age and, and his experience, but man, it is, 
it is unique to see Nebraska with that good of a low post player. No, nobody wants to deal with them. I mean, that's the thing you have to say. Like every game, you can tell it's like, oh crap. I mean, it's a it. He does get what he wants and is is pretty efficient. Um, and you almost take it for granted at times. Like in the first half against Michigan State, uh, he missed a couple at the rim, which was unlike him. And it it, it felt like it, there was a trickle down effect for Nebraska's offense off of that. Um, but yeah, he he's he's been special. Um, this is, we could look back on this. If they, if they pull this one off tonight, this three or four day stretch was monumental because, you know, Minnesota could go either way, could have gone either way. We'll see what happens tonight, but they have to play at Purdue Friday. And when you looked at the schedule, you mean they were one and three going into Minnesota in the league. So you had this fear like, Oh, if they don't get that Minnesota game, which is gettable, what if this ends up being like one and six suddenly, and then we're all like, oh man, we're not really paying attention anymore. Mm -hmm. So they have a great opportunity here to really uh, over a four day span, I think sort of cement the idea, like this big 10 season is worth watching. Like, I think they kind of, they, they did the first part of that. And now it's like, put the period at the end of that sentence tonight. This this would be the opportunity. There's there's mobility in the big 10, right? Like they can, they can, they could be a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, and I don't think that's out of the question. Sorry, Brooks. Well, I was going to say, I think right now, I mean, well, Nebraska took Purdue to overtime, but I think it's, you know, you've got Purdue at the top uh, on one bookend, Minnesota at the other end, and I, I don't know that there's much settled in between there in, in terms of where teams kind of fall in the pecking order. Just if you look at the game-to-game results and, you know, where teams are winning and and – you know, it, it just feels like there's going to be much more of a just kind of a car crash in the middle of the conference standings this year based on how everybody's playing right now. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's opportunity there. And, and Nebraska, I think, has shown that they can play tough and they can kind of get in the muck a little bit and win some of those games. So we'll, I, I think Brian's right where, you know, it feels like tonight's setting up to be a really big one and in terms of opportunity and, and maybe catching a, a team at a good time um, on a you know 8 p.m. Tuesday start. Yeah, a guy mocked me on Twitter and big deal, but it, there's others who I think would think like this because I called it a huge win when they beat Minnesota. And he's like, they're 0-4 in the league, you know, and it, it was basically like you're making too big a deal about it. But that to me was one of the, there's a few of these games on the road where there's going to be opportunities where, oh, you can put that in your pocket. And then if this is that, we've seen these Husker teams in certain years where they're pretty special at home. And that's what you're kind of hoping it shows itself tonight again, um, did against Iowa, who, by the way, has kind of bounced back amid yep. sort of uh, messy situation there. But they, I mean, they've won a couple in a row and, and played better since the Nebraska loss. So that's looking like a, a better win now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those deals that Fred Hoiberg talked about a week or so ago. He believes this team can hold serve at home a lot of the time. And then it's those games like Minnesota where if you go get them, it gets pretty interesting as far as like postseason bids. We can get in all that if they earn that conversation in a few weeks. But um, Minnesota is the type of game you have to have to make that possible in February. Yeah, it's, it's a big win or a huge win, not because it's over Minnesota, but because 
you got to win on the road and you're able to kind of get back that loss to Purdue. I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, talking about holding serve at home, they, they have to, to get to the NIT, which I think is the upside of this team. They've got to win a bunch of home games. And you look at the month of January where they don't have as many February is going to be a big home month, but they still have some important contests at home. And, some of these teams, I mean, you know, we used to think that Penn State and Northwestern, those were the sort of games that you had to you had to kind of win to, to build up your your resume a little bit. But those are teams that are playing really well right now. Northwestern 12 and 3, Penn State's uh, 11 and 5. Like those aren't going to be those aren't going to be gimmies regardless of where they're at. And so I, I think any win on the road is is a big one right now for Nebraska because I, I think they're a different team at home. And I think we're going to see that on Tuesday night. You guys want to make predictions? Yeah. Do we, should we do we want a, a mini little hype cast in this? Should I ask you, Brunts, who's your pick to click? <laughs> uh James Carney. That's my pick to click. <laughs> um no, I, I think it's it's gotta be Derek Walker. I think if he can if he can stay out of foul trouble um and, and stay on the floor, I think he's got a chance to to really kind of uh exploit things offensively. I think he, when he when he really gets going, he's kind of got that. I mean, he's old, like he's twenty five, but he's kind of got that old man game. I mean, he goes hard to his right, kind of flipping him up off the the the, the runners that that you know bigger posts can't really deal with. Um, so he's going to be my pick to click. I think you're going to see some driveway game from him, just backing the kid down and uh, hitting, showing some nice touch around the rim. I, I think it was Walker. He had a moment against Minnesota where he got the guy trapped so far under the rim. That when he just jumped up, he sort of just like pushed it over the rim the way like an adult would to a little kid. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny to to watch that thing play out. BC, who you got? Who's your pick to click? <laughs> Jawan. Why Garrett. is it CJ Wilger? No, Jawan Gary. Um, Jawan Gary, you know he's the garbage man. Um, he's he's the guy who's gonna he's gonna do the dirty stuff for you. Uh, had a really good game against Minnesota, especially with that putback um, at the end, which was kind of the difference. And this is a bully game. I mean, the, Illinois is going to try to to make your lip bleed, and I think Nebraska feels like they've got a type of team that can kind of match that. I feel like it's going to be a game where Brad Underwood's like, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of hand motions in this uh, podcast, but Brad Underwood's going to, you know, like get in the face of the official, and people are going to tell him to sit down and stuff. I it's gonna, I like this. I think there's going to be a little bit of a. Uh, a nastiness in Chippy. the air tonight. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm anticipating and hoping for. And that's a game that Jawan Gary, to me, that's why he's on this team to to live in those moments and help Nebraska. I thought you were describing him there as an enforcer. So he's uh, he's the lat man of this team, or lat mayhem, if you will. That was born out of a an Illinois loss for Nebraska. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Grisell. In these kinds of games, you got to protect the ball. He plays a lot of their their kind of point guard role. Illinois definitely will ratchet up the pressure in terms of defense to try to force teams to turn it over, get easy baskets. So he's got to be careful with the ball, and he's still got to be your your kind of your number two option. I mean, he's had a really nice uh, season so far. He's been better than I anticipated, and. This is going to be an important game for him, and they need him to to be good with the ball. And also, when he gets in those situations and he can use his size, back down some guards, uh, get some easy baskets in the paint. Uh, so it's going to be important, I think, for him to have double digits tonight and, and to try to help Nebraska keep the turnovers down so Illinois can't run it out on them. All right, any final thoughts here, gentlemen? 
Give me Nebraska 70 to 67. That's my score. 70 67. I don't even know if Nebraska can touch a 70 right now. That's what it's going to be. 70 to 67. I'm predicting uh, more manageable beer lines at Pinnacle Bank Arena tonight, although Ooh. still a little bit, still kind of finding their footing a little bit, still early in the season. Jawan Gary put back with seven seconds left, Nebraska 57, Illinois 55. There's your oddly specific prediction and a uh, score. I like it. Right. Brunts, did you did you give a score? I didn't. Uh, I I'll, I'll go Nebraska. I'll say I'll say 67, 65. Um, I, I think you get. What what are, what are you laughing at? Was that what you said? I, no, no. I just like that we all have like sort of a two to three point putback yeah. type. Yeah. Mm. Did you guys lose any money on that uh, meaningless three pointer? By the way, no, uh, in, but I know people that did, and they're not happy about it. Yeah, that mattered to some. Um, yeah, sixty-seven, sixty-five. I think Nebraska, uh, against all odds, is able to salt it away at the free throw line and hangs on. All right, there you have it. Uh, anything you guys want to add? We might be back later this week with another podcast. Get back into doing two a week. I, I think I've added all that I can. Yeah, I have nothing left. I emptied no. the tank. Yeah, I don't. I think we have a that was a Homer podcast at the end. All picking Husker hoops. Yeah, We're on the Husker geez. hoops bandwagon. Yeah, you know that's a obviously there's a lot of Kool Aid being flown around. If uh, <laughs> that Minnesota wind just got us like a hop in our step, <laughs> huge, huge. All right, we'll be back with more Husker twenty four seven podcast content. Until then, be sure to check out Husker twenty four seven dot com. Plenty of content on there. Uh, Micah Mazuka, who we talked about earlier in this podcast, he announces on Tuesday night. So keep an eye out for that as well. We'll see when Walter Rouse makes his announcement. You know, we'll see if Nebraska ends up with one, two, or none of these offensive linemen that they hosted over the weekend. For Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll catch you next time. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.